This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 21 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Well, a happy Friday to you back at it. Took the uh, the week off last week because I watched my daughter graduate from her first year of pre-K. Yeah, thank you, Kara. Thank you very much. Yes, big, big night in the, uh, the Wicket household. Oh, it was huge. Uh, she sang two songs. She'll go to pre-K again next year, which, by the way, I don't know, Kira, when you were growing up, was pre-K, like, before, like, preschool, was it one year or two? I only remember one year. I do, too. I grew up in the 80s. I'm much older than you, but I would, <laughs> we went we, we went preschool, then we went kindergarten, and then first grade. I checked with my mom, because my, my wife was like, she's going to do pre-K this year, and then she'll be in the same class with her teacher next year. And I was like, that seems weird. Mm -hmm. But apparently, that's the thing now. That's what we do now here in 2023. You do two years of pre-K. It's that new math and... Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So it it was was one of those where I'm like, huh. Got to turn that on. There we go. I was like, we do pre-K for two years? I had no clue. But all right. But congrats to my daughter. So that's why I was not here last week. But uh, glad to be back with you. Thank you for watching on the stream to Joel and Jeff and Adam and Trevor and everybody who's watching on Facebook. Lots to get to today, including. Okay, so the big story we're going to get to out of the gate, Miami and uh, and Denver and everybody writing off the Miami Heat. Talk about that for a moment. But the other big story out of the NBA might actually be bigger. I know it's tough to be bigger than the NBA finals, but it's okay. If it's not bigger, it's definitely sexier than the NBA Finals. Because outside of Miami and Denver, I do not believe there's a ton of interest in this NBA Finals. Everybody always says, I'm sick of the Warriors. I'm sick of the Lakers. I'm sick of the Patriots. I'm sick of this team, whatever. Look at the TV ratings for this, all right? I don't believe this is going to be a very highly rated TV, uh, I'm sorry, highly rated NBA Finals, just because if you don't care about TV ratings, that's fine. Like, if you're in Denver, you're like, wicked, screw off. Who cares about TV ratings? I want to watch my Nuggets win. I get that. Same thing goes with Miami. The Heat have been in the finals a lot lately. And you're like, no, who cares? We're rooting for the Heat. That's un- that's understandable. For one, I enjoy seeing a little bit different. I-, I love watching. If my Bucks are not in the finals, I love watching the Warriors. But it's nice to watch a, a beautiful brand of basketball like the Denver Nuggets play. And it's nice to watch the chess match between Malone and Spolstra. And I'm really interested in what's going to happen in game number two. But I, I do want to start with with Spo and what Miami and, and company, uh, you know, they lose last night by 11. They, they outscored the Nuggets by 10 in the fourth quarter. So really, this was a 20-some point game going into the fourth quarter. And if you watched it all last night, like I went to bed, but it was about 25 in the third quarter. Like, yeah, it's okay. I can go to bed now. There's not going to be one of those miracle runs. Jimmy's not hitting six threes or anything like that. But I don't think Miami is as dead as some people are making them out to be after going down 0-1. I'll get to why in a moment. But Miami head coach Eric Spolster was asked about what they learned from that loss in game one. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to go to school on it. Uh, you know, they're in a pretty good rhythm, especially in that first half. Our disposition, the multiple efforts, the resolve in the second half was much better. 
you get to this level, it has to be a complete games of that kind of disposition. And even if you have that, you're not always going to win, you know, all the possessions that you want. I mean, they play 82 regular season games. And then they had a five-game series with the Bucks. They had a five-game series with the Knicks. Then they had a seven-game war where they were up 3-0 and had to win game seven just to advance against the Boston Celtics. So that's an additional 17 games. And if you look at and that's what makes like the careers of the greatest of the greats of the greats, like Michael playing in so many finals and LeBron playing in so many finals. I mean, you're talking about 20 seasons for LeBron James or whatever. And on top of that, he's probably played the equivalent of three or four more NBA seasons just in post games alone. And that's why it doesn't matter, you know, who, what team you are, what team you're facing. Just getting to this point is tough. You don't expect it to be easy when you get to this final round. Uh, this is a great challenge. Uh, it's going to require more. Um, we'll get to work and, um, you know, see what we can do better, what we can do harder, what we can do with more effort. I think they don't have to change a lot. Maybe effort has to get, ris- has to get jacked up a bit. But think about this. The Denver Nuggets swept LeBron and the Lakers like a week ago, right? It was they've been on they've had their feet up. I don't know what you do in Denver. I've never hung out in Denver. I've only ever been to the Denver airport, but like I'm sure there's cool stuff to do in Denver, ways to relax. No Kira, they can't smoke. All right. It is illegal for NBA players to smoke marijuana. All right. Even if it's legal in Denver, they do not do that. Maybe in the offseason if you don't have an NBA Finals to play, but they did not because that stuff stays in your system for 30 days, I've heard. So I know that Nikola Jokic wasn't smoking for the last seven days waiting for the Eastern Conference Finals to finish, but I'm sure they were chilling, they were relaxing. They weren't playing in battles and wars against Jason Tatum and the rest of that Boston Celtics team. And then you add the fact that the Eastern Conference Finals ended like four or five days ago, whatever, so they go to this this game one in Denver. You got to get there early because you got to get acclimated to the altitude. So you're already beat. You're already drained. You've already gone through 17 games, including seven against Boston. And now you got to go play against a rested Denver team in their gym. And, and you're playing at 11 million feet in the air or whatever the actual, whatever the actual height is over there. I don't know what it is. I'm not a smart person. So I, I don't think that there's a lot that the, the Heat have to change other than maybe maybe effort, right? But think about this, too. That Max Struss dude, you're a Bucks fan, you hated him. He was 0 for 10 from the floor last night. 0 for 9 from 3. That dude was huge. That's their starting two guard. Duncan Robinson, who killed the Bucks. I don't think he missed against my Milwaukee Bucks in the, the opening round. 1 for 6. Caleb Martin, who you could argue should have been the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, was one for seven. I mean, those three guys, again, those aren't superstars by any stretch, although Caleb Martin may have, paid, may have played his way into a huge contract. But those three guys were combined. Let me do the math here. What, 13, two, what, two for 23. They're not going to do that again. And I realize the length of Denver can force some of those shots, alter some of those shots, put more pressure, change angles. But still, they're not going to go two of 23 between Struss, Duncan Robinson, and Caleb Martin. And Jimmy wasn't himmy. And you know, I hate the term, he is him. You know I hate that term. I hate, he is him. Shut up. But he wasn't himmy. 
All right. He wasn't Hemi Butler. He was probably James Butler. He wasn't even Jimmy Butler. He was James Butler. He only had 14 points. Everybody knows Jimmy has to score for, for, for uh, Miami to win. And they have to get contributions from the other guys like Struss and Duncan Robinson and Caleb Martin. I mean, just ask Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. So much went wrong last night. Probably because we shot a lot of jump shots myself, probably leading that pack instead of um, putting pressure on the rim, getting layups, getting to the free throw line. When, when you look at it during the game, they all look like the right shots. And I'm not saying that we can't as a team make those, but got to get more layups, got to get more free throws. And um, whenever you miss and don't get back, the game gets out of hand kind of quickly. Um, we gave up too many layups, which we also can't have happen. Um, but that's that's it as a whole. We got to attack the rim a lot more, myself included. And, and, and Jimmy definitely has to attack the rim a lot more because that's a dude that only had two, count them, two free throw attempts. And for me, uh, yeah, you got to attack um, and attack everybody, not just one individual. I have to do a better job of um, creating the help, one, two guys, and getting into my shooter, otherwise finishing at the rim, making shots. But uh, we missed a lot tonight, and we'll be better in game two at the end of the day. That's what it is, so we'll, we'll take this, we'll learn from it, and we'll be back in two days. Butler thrives on getting into the paint, getting contact, getting some and-ones. You watch his game play. You've watched him his entire career, ever since he got to Miami from Philly, was in Chicago. This is a dude who lives in the paint, loves to get contact, going to the rim. I went back and I looked at it. So, again, he had two free throw attempts last night. In the opening round uh, series against Milwaukee, he had eight or more in four of the five games. In the five games against the Knicks, Jimmy Butler had 11 free throws, 11 free throws, nine free throws, 11 free throws, and 11 free throws. It just shows you this is a guy who's, you know, when he's at his best, he's able to drive, get contact, get other guys in foul trouble. And then the Boston series, in four of the seven games, uh, he had seven free throws. He also had 27 points or more in four games against the Celtics. And, and, you know, you look at it like, well, it didn't sound like he had a great series. He had a real good series. But that was when Caleb Martin all of a sudden exploded for 19 points a game and six assists per game. So he got some help there in the last series. Jimmy got no help. Listen, if, if Duncan Robinson's hot from the outside or Struss is hitting from the outside, now you got to contend with that guy. Now you have to run a defender over that guy. And that opens up a lot more for Butler to get inside and do his thing. I just think this was an absolute... Game one matchup where everything was stacked against Miami to come in and beat the well-rested best team in the West after their war with the Boston Celtics. I, I just, I'm not real surprised about this. Speaking of Denver, Nikola Jokic, I mean, he's just, he's such a fun guy to watch play basketball. And what does he do in his very first NBA Finals game? Goes off for a triple-double. And he loves to spread the ball around. That's how I learned to play basketball. And um, I think it's really nice to play when, and it's really hard to guard when uh, you don't know who's going to attack and uh, how to defend, you know, when everybody's moving, everybody's uh, doing something. So I think it's a, it's a really nice brand of basketball that, uh, that we have. Dude had 10 assists in a quarter and a half. He's seven feet tall. That's not supposed to happen. That's how special this guy is. He had 27 points. He had 14 assists last night. He had 10 rebounds. I mean, this is a dude. I, 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 he's a guy who plays in a market we don't often see. And so many people have been talking about their first, you know, this is the first chance people get to see Nikola Jokic, who's been on TV a fair amount of time. But when ESPN and TNT are figuring out 
what games do we want to put on TV? The Nuggets aren't at the top of that list. They've always been a, they're good, but we'll put them on when they're playing the Warriors. So we'll put them on when they're playing the Lakers because they're out West and nobody in New York and nobody in Chicago cares because the East Coast, we want to see the Knicks. We want to see the Miami Heat. We want to see the Bucks with Giannis. We want to see the drama with Philadelphia. We want to see Boston. A lot of basketball fans, especially East of Denver, didn't watch Denver play unless they were playing their own team. I mean, this is a guy who won two MVPs. We should not be surprised that he played well in his very first NBA Finals game. So, Brian Windhorst from ESPN, a guy who has proven you do not need to be attractive to be on TV. He was uh, on ESPN radio this morning here on this radio station. And one thing he said that the Heat were trying to do, and it worked maybe towards the end of the game because the game was kind of tilting at that point, was they needed to try to do one thing because he's a great scorer. He's a great passer. He's a great rebounder. But if you can limit him to just being a scorer, maybe, just maybe, you can somewhat nullify Jokic. He only had five shots going into the fourth. They were obviously winning very big. In the fourth quarter, though, he only had two assists, and he took seven shots. That is the type of defensive game plan that he were trying to get to. They were trying to force him to hold on to the ball. There was even one possession late in the fourth quarter where he was standing literally about six feet from the basket where nobody was around him. And he kind of looked all four sides and said, you know what, I'm just going to shoot it. That's what the Heat want to do. Their game plan coming in was to sort of allow him to operate with the ball, but try to cut off those passing lanes. And the sheer size difference, And guys, I know that it's not a surprise to the Heat how big the Nuggets are. but it's one thing to prepare for it. It's one thing to look at the roster. It's another thing when you actually go out there and deal with it. They couldn't handle those size mismatches. It's huge. I mean, you you wondered how they were going to deal with the size of, of Boston. How do you deal with the size of Denver, especially the big man in the middle, who's maybe the best passing center we've ever seen in the history of the NBA? And on the other side, Windhorse went on about Jimmy Butler not doing enough to challenge Denver. In the last round against the Celtics, Butler struggled, but heads up with Robert Williams and Jason Tatum. He didn't challenge their length that much. The Nuggets saw that. They made sure that they had those long defenders on him. You would have potentially thought that Contavious Caldwell-Pope would have been their choice, but they went with longer defenders like Aaron Gordon. And Jimmy Butler didn't challenge them, didn't go look for contact at the rim. He basically became a passer. And that's how you wind up with two free throws in 48 minutes, which is a shocking number. And I'm going to be honest with you, maybe there was a call here there. I didn't think it was a controversial game. I didn't think two free throws was controversial. Jimmy Butler did not force the action. He did not look at the guy who was bigger than him and say, let me figure out a way to get to the foul line. That is something that they are going to have to have. We know Jimmy Butler can do it, but since he's turned that ankle all the way back in that series with the Knicks, he has not consistently shown the same physicality. The Nuggets knew that and it was in their game plan. That's Brian Windhorst from ESPN earlier today here on ESPN Radio. Uh, Kira's yelling at me to get to break but I do want to close out Miami and Denver in the conversation with this. Um, So this happens everywhere. They send a reporter, the reporters out front, everybody's in the background, especially after a championship, they're hammered drunk. Not in Denver. Listen to what one Denver TV reporter said after the game, when it came to the crowd after the Nuggets won. Uh, it, it feels like victory. It sounds like victory. It smells like victory and also legalization. And they're having a great time out here. So there you go, Kira. You're right. The fans were smoking during the week, not the players. 
I still am going to, my prediction was Nuggets in six. I feel better about Nuggets in six than I would have probably not knowing what was going to happen in game number one. Role players step up. If they can force Jokic to be a scorer and, and clog up passing lanes, cover open guys getting shots on the outside like Jamal Murray, who was stellar, and Aaron Gordon, it's going to be a, a good series. Better than I thought, but still I would go with Nuggets in six, maybe maybe Nuggets in five, but I'll, I'll stick with my Nuggets in six. Coming up on the other side, the big story in the National Football League right now is where is DeAndre Hopkins going to sign? I've got a bunch of people with a bunch of takes on D-Hop. We'll do that next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Coming up. Are they in San Diego? Is that where the Cubs are? We got Cubs baseball coming up tonight. Cubs and Padres out west. All three games right here on ESPN Des Moines all weekend. Sunday, we will have game two of the NBA Finals. Nuggets up one nothing in that one. Don't be surprised. I'm going to call it right now. I think Miami steals game two. All right? Kira, I want you to mark this tape. We don't do tape anymore. Kira, I want you to mark this on the digital recorder. Heat steal game two. That is my prediction. I don't think they're going to shoot that poorly, and, uh, and and repeat that effort coming up in week. Or I'm sorry, in game number two. Uh, so then we'll, I think we'll have some baseball all week. We got tons of live sports. If you want live sports, if you like listening to live baseball or live basketball, right here, 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. The NFL. I think I saw today. We are 100 days from the start. 100 days from the first Sunday of the NFL season. The opener featuring the Kansas City Chiefs and who did the Chiefs open against? Can't remember. Not the Bengals. They closed the Bengals. Uh, Oh, the Lions. That's right. It's Chiefs and Lions week one on that Thursday night game to open the season. That's right. So it's Chiefs and Lions. We're like 90, do the math, for 100 away, back, whatever. So everyone is sitting around wondering where DeAndre Hopkins is going to go. And if you remember the DeAndre Hopkins trade, which everyone would still say Arizona won, they traded David Johnson, who was well past his prime, a second-round pick, and David Johnson. In return, they got DeAndre Hopkins, one of the great fleece jobs ever in the history of the National Football League. All right, Former general manager Steve Keim pulled off that amazing move. And what did he do? He he comes in year number one and goes crazy. 115 catches, 1,400 yards, six touchdowns, and you're like, Kyler and D-Hop, that's it right there. That's going to be the connection, and Arizona's going to be there. They started 7-0. Remember that in 2021? They won 10 of their first 12. People are like, the Cardinals are for real. I told you on this show the Cardinals were not for real because the weather hadn't changed yet, and Kyler Murray sucks in the cold. But they were 7-0, and and unfortunately, DeAndre Hopkins tore his MCL. Kyler Murray without his number one option, number one weapon. Remember that playoff game? They actually did make the playoffs, I think, and Kyler Murray threw for like 112 yards and two picks. It looked just miserable out there. The body language on Kyler, and that's when we started criticizing Kyler Murray for his body language. 
And so after that, DeAndre Hopkins got busted for a failed drug test. He was going to miss the first six games of last year. He comes in first game back, 10 catches, a buck three. They beat the Saints in win uh, week number seven. After that, 12 catches for 159 yards and a touchdown. You're like, okay, all right, okay. He wound up actually leading the team despite missing the first six games. DeAndre Hopkins led the Cardinals with 717 yards and 64 catches. The season was a, a lost year for them. He was 4-13. and 13. I don't know if there was ever really good communication between Kyler and Hopkins and Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury, of course, now gone. Not the, the head coach there anymore. Plus, Hopkins decided he wasn't going to play the last two weeks. That doesn't sit well with the team, right? So, they release him. And here's Adam Schefter from the day the Arizona Cardinals got done with DeAndre Hopkins and said, no more. After spending months trying to trade wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, the Arizona Cardinals finally gave up and decided to release him, making him an immediate free agent. The Cardinals had tried to trade him, but no team was willing to trade for Hopkins hmm. and the $19.45 million that he had left on his contract. He could have restructured for another team, but a deal never materialized. And now Hopkins is free to make. He's done. Got it. So he's free to make his own decision. I must have edited that wrong. That's okay. So now Hopkins is free to make his own tour. He's going to go visit all the different places. So I started thinking about this, too, and I'm like, DeAndre Hopkins, why is he not gobbled up yet by somebody? You know, you, you look at him, he's 30. The ACLs, you know, in the past, the suspension is there. There's some rumors that DeAndre Hopkins is not a real good teammate, takes Wednesday practices off, and Wednesday's like the most important day for an NFL team every week during the season because that's when they install the offense. Probably a real high-level wide receiver, right, you would think? But why hasn't he been signed yet? Why does he have to go on this tour? He's going to make stops. You'll hear more about that coming up in just a second. But I'm trying to get some numbers in my head of where, you know, comparable wide receivers are salary-wise. Devontae Adams is the same age. They're both 30. DeAndre Hopkins is 30. Devontae Adams is 30. Now, Devontae signed that big deal with the, uh, the Vegas Raiders, making $26 million this year. Devontae Adams has made $85 million in his career. He, after this year, will be about $111 million in his NFL career. DeAndre Hopkins has also made a career total of $111 million. Now, I bring that up because the question is, will Hopkins sign somewhere that he can get paid? Or will Hopkins sign somewhere where he can win a championship? Because if no one was willing to trade for DeAndre Hopkins and pick up $19 million. $19 million is not that much money in the NFL when you're talking about Devontae Adams making 26 or Tyreek Hill making 24 this year. Tyreek Hill has made $67 million in his career. He was a fifth-round pick. That's why his number is much lower than Devontae. He's 29 years old. After this year, he'll be right around the $93 million mark for the career. So Hopkins has made a lot of money. OBJ signed a one-year deal with Baltimore to play for the, the Ravens worth $15 million. And people were, there's some rumors that a lot of GMs and owners didn't like that deal. A 30-year-old wide receiver, $15 million. What is that going to mean for DeAndre Hopkins? Is DeAndre Hopkins better 
than Odell Beckham Jr. right now. I don't quite know. I don't quite know. We're going to do Adam Schefter number two here. I apologize. I've got things labeled incorrectly for Kara. Uh, I I think if, if, if nobody wanted to go $19 million, what's the number going to be to get Hopkins? 15, is it going to be just that, that OBJ number? Because if Hopkins, who some people say has lost his step, but he was never really a burner, he's an athletic dude, you can line him up all over the field. Is, is Hopkins at 30, coming off an ACL, coming off a season where he didn't get along with management? Is he going to get $15 million? Well, he was on a podcast and listed the five teams that he wants to play for. He listed five teams with five quarterbacks hmm. that he'd like to catch passes from. Those teams are the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, the Philadelphia Eagles with Jalen Hurts, the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson, and the Chargers with Justin Herbert. All right, so... All of those good teams, good quarterbacks, and he even came out and said he wants a great quarterback, a good organization, and a championship-level defense. Okay? That's fine. I mean, that's kind of what every receiver wants ever. No one ever says, I want a bad quarterback. I want a GM at a front office that's, you know, constantly in flux, and I want a Swiss cheese defense. No. So what he said isn't crazy. We understand that. The five teams, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles, the Ravens, the Chargers, five good teams. But Schefter goes on and he mentions this, that Hopkins right now with those five teams, he doesn't fit. The Bills don't have a lot of money. He would be a luxury item in Philadelphia. The Chiefs have very little money. The Ravens signed Odell Beckham Jr. and drafted Zay Flowers. And the Chargers don't have a need after drafting Quinton Johnson. So Hopkins is back on the market trying to figure out what Arizona never could, where he will wind up playing the 2023 season at a time where he might be the highest profile free agent out there. If he lowered his number to $4 million, he would have his pick of those five teams. But DeAndre Hopkins is no different than any other athlete ever. He want, Except Mahomes and Brady. He wants the most money possible. If he wanted to win a championship, dude's made $111 million in the National Football League. If he wanted to win a championship, the answer is not the Chargers or the Ravens or the Bills or the Eagles. The answer is the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I wish the answer was my Green Bay Packers, but I don't know if Jordan Love's going to be a Super Bowl quarterback this year. The odds are he's not. But if you're looking for a great front office, look at the way the Chiefs are run. If you're looking for a championship caliber defense, they just won a Super Bowl, all right? When they're very young on that defense, they are going to be a good defense for a long time. And if you're looking for a superstar quarterback, the answer is Kansas City. But if your number is $18 million for a year, and Kansas City has $6 million for a year, what's more important to you? $6 million and a title shot or $18 million and you go play for, who sucks right now? The Patriots, all right? Or $18 million for a one-year deal to sign on with the Raiders. What, what, what are you going to do? Wait, what, what, what's important to you? You know, do you want to go for $18 million and sign? Because I'm sure the Bears still have cap space. Do you want to go catch one-hoppers from Justin Fields and play on the worst field turf? and the worst surface in the National Football League? Is that what you want? 
You can make your 18 mil. You're not winning a ring in Chicago anytime soon, but you can win a ring with Kansas City or Buffalo or Philly, maybe Baltimore, maybe the Chargers, but you're not going to get the 18 million you want or the 15 million you want. So just watch and see the number that DeAndre Hopkins signs for because I bet you it's not going to be anything less than what OBJ signed for because some team will pay him because it'll sell tickets and it'll make a, a, a mediocre team a playoff team. But none of these teams he's listed right now have a need for DeAndre Hopkins at $18 million. But what teams do? We're going to spin the wheel of National Football League teams who could really use DeAndre Hopkins and some teams that could not and start crossing them off the list. That's next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 21 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Pride Month. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World here on 1021 FM and uh, 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Is that why you played Cher? Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Love is love, man. Happy Pride Month. And uh, just know that you are loved by all of us here at ESPN Des Moines. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we'll have game two of the NBA Finals. We'll have the Nuggets and the Heat. 6.30 for the pregame tip at 7.30. I love, love 7.30 tip times. I don't think I got to see enough of the Western Conference Finals, man. I wake up at 4 in the morning, so I could not stay awake for some of those 9, 10 o'clock tips the first couple of rounds. But 7.30 for the tip of game number two coming up on Sunday right here on ESPN Des Moines. I'm going to get to the sexiest NFL, I'm sorry, the sexiest NBA story in a bit. Also an update on what's going on with Justin Jefferson, but talking about DeAndre Hopkins, where he's going to wind up, everybody at ESPN has all kinds, all kinds of opinions, including Mike Tannenbaum. Two jump right out to me, Kansas City and the Patriots. If you think about Kansas City, you know, over the last two years, obviously they moved on from Tyreek Hill, McCall Harmon left in free agency. They drafted Rasheed Rice, and Kadarius Tony is certainly emerging, but wow, could you imagine... Um, Patrick Mahomes having a weapon like DeAndre Hopkins? No, I don't want to envision that. I mean, I I like the Chiefs. Chiefs, and if my Packers are out, I root for Kansas City because I spent some time down there. I love watching greatness that is Patrick Mahomes. But no, no. Why should the rich get richer? <laughs> right? I don't want to see that whatsoever. Uh, Joe Fortenbaugh, who you hear at night, Joe and Amber here on ESPN Des Moines, said that there's a team on the East Coast. They play in a very snowy stadium, and now is the time for them to go get Nuke. The Buffalo Bills need to make this happen. There's a few reasons for this. You currently are about to enter a year where your quarterback, Josh Allen, is set to have an $18 million cap hit. That's it. This is the last year you're going to have a friendly cap number for your franchise quarterback because next year that number goes from $18 million to $47 million. It is going to be much harder to retain, sign, acquire high-level talent to build out the rest of that roster when the quarterback's taking up $47 million in cap space. So this is the time to get aggressive. He's right. He's 100% right. Right now, Josh Allen is a cheap quarterback. Next year, and for the remaining time when Josh Allen is going to be elite, he will not be a cheap quarterback. 
Uh, they're already paying a lot of money to Stephon Diggs. They've got cap space to do it. Buffalo does make sense. But does DeAndre Hopkins want to go play half his games in the snow? I don't know. We have no idea what he wants. I mean, he's a dude that went to Clemson. I don't know where he's from originally. Went to Clemson. Drafted by Houston. Was in Arizona. None of that screams Buffalo, New York to me. But it does make sense if they can pay him top dollar. More from Joe Fortenbaugh. And one more big reason that the Bills should sign DeAndre Hopkins. You've been on the cusp the last couple of years. You've got a solid defense. You've got a great home field advantage. You have the weapons in place. This guy would put you over the top. Reason number two you need to make it happen. If you don't, he might land in Kansas City. And that's one of your biggest (laughs) rivals. And you've got to prevent them from getting any better. Or you're not going to end up going to the Super Bowl, which is the goal for all of this in the first place. He's right. You know how mad everybody in the AFC is going to be if DeAndre Hopkins winds up with Kansas City? The AFC is already completely loaded with Cincinnati, Buffalo. I mean... Kansas City, the Ravens are allegedly, you know, a Super Bowl contending team. Somebody, you think Denver might be better? I don't know. We'll see. The Chargers should be better. We're all waiting on that. Jacksonville is ascending. The AFC is loaded. Oh, yeah, the Jets. Forgot about that. Is he going to wind up with New York? Is he going to wind up with Aaron Rodgers? God, that would make me so upset. (laughs) But I do need... I do need the Jets to keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. I do need Aaron Rodgers to take uh, 65% of the snaps for that second-round pick, becomes a first-rounder. i got to find this out. My buddy, my neighbor, who I'm actually playing poker with tonight, John, he's a big Bills fan, flies a big Bills flag. When the Bills played the Packers on uh, Halloween, I wouldn't let my kids trick-or-treat at his house because I know they're going to do the candy. So got this big old Bills flag hanging. I'll have to talk to him, see what he thinks about that. Now, I love when Diana Rossini's little takes all got put on one big wheel. Let's hear from ESPN's Diana Rossini, who spun the wheel of DeAndre Hopkins around the National Football League. It's really going to come down to what he prefers and what he wants, as there are several teams, including the New England Patriots, who are interested in DeAndre Hopkins. And we're going to see over the next few weeks Hopkins taking visits with different teams, Brian, and and he's going to make a decision on what's best for him. Okay. The Bills, they don't have... They're not all in on this. They're they're listening. They're watching. They've had conversations. They're, they're not they're not jumping into this pool. Uh, the Jets are not interested in DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> at this point, by the way. But for your team, for the Dallas Cowboys, I don't get the sense that he is an option for them. Look, all teams are looking at this, but there's this level of seriousness, right? Like, I, for example, I had one executive in the league say to me, look, if he wants to make $2 million a year, yeah, we'll take him, right? So money's a big issue. And obviously the Dallas opened up some space here, and, and, and they could look into that. But from the conversations I had, Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys are not on the board. I think Hopkins is definitely going to look for a one-year deal where he can maximize the amount of money, maybe a two-year deal with a bunch of money up front, because he's going to be 31. All right, he's 31 next week, and that's old for an NFL wide receiver. You know, that's why when you see big deals going to De- uh, Devontae Adams or Tyree Kill, and, and, you know, that's why OBJ didn't get a long-term deal because the ACL, the Super Bowl a year and a half ago, and, you know, the injuries that he has had in his career. I don't see DeAndre Hopkins getting a four-year, $120 million contract. I don't see that happening. I think somebody will bite. I think some, this may play out till we get to mini camp. Maybe by the time we get to training camp, that some team loses somebody to, to to injury, and they have to go out and say, "All right, you know, let's." Uh, God forbid it's it's Justin Jefferson. God forbid it's Jefferson. I love Justin. I hate the Vikings, 
But God forbid, let's, but let's say Justin Jefferson, you know, gets hurt. You don't think the Vikings are going to figure out a way to throw 20 million bucks at, uh, at DeAndre Hopkins? No one's going to do it right now. I don't know if he's going to get more than OBJ's 15 with Baltimore, but nobody is going to pay him a lot of money right now, especially a three-year deal, some kind of mega contract. That's not happening anytime soon for DeAndre Hopkins uh, for anybody. But he's about to go on tour. I mean, you heard Rossini say he's going to go all on tour and meet with these teams. If he takes six mil, he's in it to win a championship. If he needs 18, he's not. And again, I wish no ill will on Justin Jefferson. I plan on drafting him very high in fantasy football. So I cannot have anything happen to Justin Jefferson and uh, of the Minnesota Vikings. By the way, OTAs are going on. Justin Jefferson, not with the Minnesota Vikings, but ESPN's Jeff Darlington says, no worries. Well, a no-brainer to try to re-sign Justin Jefferson. So I'm told that he's away from OTAs right now, but that's not a major concern. He's expected back from minicamp. Okay, this so is there's a player... no, no bad, no animosity right now? I don't think so. It's okay. possible he's away from OTAs because of the contract, but I don't think that's been spelled out. I'm told he's been in contact with the team, so there's definitely no bad blood. They're in a really good spot, and I'm told they're going to prioritize this player. And when you talk to people around the league, they wonder if he's going to be the highest-paid non-quarterback in the league one day because the receiver market has hit that $30 million range, Tyreek wow. Hill and those guys. He's largely considered the best receiver right now in the league, so can he surpass, like, Aaron Donald? Who's right. at $31 million a year? It's going to be very interesting. But Vikings have a lot of tough choices with Dalvin Cook, we mentioned, Kirk Cousins going into a contract year. Oh, yeah. But the two young players they want to lock up Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson. Those, that's part of their core. I have no idea what the quarterback future is going to hold for the Minnesota Vikings. Personally, I hope they give Kirk Cousins another like five years and $250 million. I would love to see that. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Kirk Cousins is going to be done in Minnesota, but they don't really have a plan in place. They took the kid from BYU in the fourth or fifth round this year. That's not a great succession plan. Um, you know, is, could there be a quarterback in the draft if things don't go well for Minnesota next year they look at? I don't know who the free agent market is next year for quarterbacks, but it feels like there's about to be a youth movement in Minnesota, and, and I don't know if Dalvin Cook is on this team week one. I know Kirk Cousins will be. He's a starter statistically. He's a real good fantasy quarterback. Just don't don't play him unless it's a noon kick, all right? If it's a primetime game, you bench Kirk Cousins and you you stream somebody. If the, if the lights are on, you, you bench Kirk Cousins and you stream somebody. But I think you're seeing perhaps they will go with a younger quarterback. That way they can afford Justin Jefferson because you're going to pay that guy $30, $31 million a year. He's already in year three, the best receiver in the National Football League. Or he's two, or he's three, whatever. He had a monster year last year, had over 120 catches. He only had eight touchdowns last year, which surprised me. I actually thought he had eight touchdowns against my Packers in week one, but he only had two. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if he becomes the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. He should. He's worth it. I don't necessarily love paying wide receivers, but if you're going to pay a dude a bunch of money, how about a 24-year-old stud like Justin Jefferson, and they're going to free up money when Dalvin Cook is gone and maybe when Kirk Cousins is gone, unless he takes a pay cut. But why would he? Somebody else will pay him a ton of money next year if it's not going to be the Minnesota Vikings. Coming up, I want to get to the sexiest story in the in the NBA right now. And, Kira, I went to Chuck E. Cheese yesterday with three kids. <laughs> I'll tell you about that experience next. Wicket needs a timeout. 
He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One hundred two one FM, thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Coming up, I will. Uh, I'll tell you what it's like to take a four-year-old and two three-year-olds to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> it's it's everything you think. All right, I'll tell you about that. Um, so the the biggest story in sports right now, of course, the NBA Finals going on. The Heat, the Nuggets. Denver gets uh, game one yesterday, as they probably should have. I'm predicting the Heat will get game two. I think Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA. I think Mike Malone is looking like a really good coach. It's easy when you have Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, but we'll get to that coming up in a bit. We'll find out on Sunday. You can watch, or I'm sorry, you can listen to game two right here on ESPN Des Moines, Sunday, 6.30 for the pregame and 7.30 for the tip. But the sexiest story in the NBA has to do with Ja Morant. Now, you know Ja. If you don't know Ja's situation, he got busted like three weeks in between two incidents. One, in a Denver strip club, waving a gun. How did he get the gun? Why did he have the gun? Why did he go on Instagram Live with the gun? Get suspended eight games by the league, by the team. And you're like, okay, this dude... Because he's had incidents before. Like, he got into, he pulled a gun on a 17-year-old kid he had beef with playing a pickup basketball game. Uh, they had to do a wellness check on him. Like, Jaws got some problems. And no one, and I talked about this last week, I can't figure out why in the world you want to be in the situation where you have to be a gangster if you have the financial means to get out of that. But for some reason, Ja Morant wants to cosplay as a gangster in a, in a time where he has money to have security around him, and he could put himself in situations where he doesn't have to carry a gun for his protection. A wicked, he can have a gun. He's allowed to have a gun. Yes, you're allowed to have a gun. But the NBA says, stop waving guns on Instagram Live. So several weeks later, we know what happened. He's sitting shotgun with his buddies. They're all rapping to a song in a car, whatever. Nothing wrong with that. And then they've the, the, the driver, who's got the phone, pans the camera over to John Moran, who's sitting shoddy, and he's got a gun, and he's waving it. And you know the driver realized what a bad move that was, was because he immediately ended the broadcast. He pulled the phone down, hit end, and the IG Live broadcast went dark. Well, Adam Silver, your NBA commissioner, who went very light on John Morant for the Denver Strip Club incident, now has egg on his face. So Adam Silver and the NBA went ahead and went with their own investigation. The Nuggets, sorry, the Nuggets, the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies suspended John Morant indefinitely while the NBA is looking into the incidents. Now, can you imagine being so stupid as to 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 do exactly the same crime? Now, crime is a relative term. It is not illegal for John Morant to have a gun. In Memphis, Tennessee. It's a very pro-gun state. Just like here in Iowa. You're allowed to have a gun. But the league says, stop brandishing a weapon on social media. Not that hard of a rule to follow, right? Not that difficult. Kira, have you ever brandished a weapon on, on Instagram Live? No, neither have I. No, I've never done it. I don't think ESPN Des Moines 
or the Des Moines Radio Group or our company Saga would be thrilled if I did that. And if they told me, don't do it, it's not in our handbook, but I imagine they would be, would frown upon it. Like you got to, I get it. He's 22 years old and I was an idiot at 22, but come on, man. So after the first incident, they're like, don't do it. Does it again. Now you've made Adam Silver angry. And at the beginning of the finals, Adam Silver meets with the media, kind of like a state of the NBA. Hey, let's celebrate the finals. You guys fire away. Obviously, they're going to ask him about Ja Morant and the investigation the league is doing on Ja. In terms of the timing, um, we've uncovered a fair amount um, of additional information. I think since I was still asked about the situation, I would say we probably could have brought it to a head now, but we made the decision, and I, and I believe the Players Association agrees with us, that it would be unfair to these players and these teams um, in the middle of this series. To Oh, you imagine? You're John Morant. You hear the commissioner say, we've uncovered a fair amount. Because, again, we know about, about four incidents involving Ja. What don't we know about? What's been covered up? What have the police said, we're going to look the other way? What has John ja Morant done that the league uncovered? And I love the fact that they could have just said, game one of the NBA Finals. This is the crown jewel, all right? This is the crown jewel of the NBA season. The best team in the East, the best team in the West, a seven-game series to hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy. You don't want to tarnish this. This is like when Aaron Rodgers dropped the... Uh, when Adam Schefter dropped the Aaron Rodgers news the night of the NFL draft. You don't do that. Or was it the Super Bowl? One of the two. You don't do that. You don't take the spotlight off the crown jewel of the NBA. So the commissioner, as you just heard him say, got with the uh, the Players Association and said, we could have done this, but we're going to wait, in fairness to these teams. Imagine being John Morant. Ima- like, you're on the phone with your agent, you're having your your team call whoever they can to find out what they uncovered. You know what they uncovered because you did it. More from the commissioner on withholding the right uh, withholding the info being the right move. Given that we're of course in the off season, he has now been suspended um, by his by the Memphis Grizzlies indefinitely, and so nothing is would have changed anyway in the next few weeks. I, it, it seemed better to park um, that at the moment, at least any public announcement. And my sense now is that shortly after the conclusion of the finals, we, we will announce the outcome of that investigation. You imagine that the game goes final, all of a sudden they cut in live, like the Nuggets win in six, game goes final, they host the trophy. We now go live to Adam Silver, who has this news. They want to get it done. No, I mean, they are drawing this out. And it's got to be excruciating for, uh, for John Morant. So you got game one last night. Game two is Sunday. When's game three? I think it's next Wednesday. And then game four will be next Sunday. So at the very earliest, the John Morant, and I bet it leaks because stuff always leaks, but the very earliest John Morant will hear, or we will all hear from Adam Silver, is a week from Monday. We got to all sit on this and these wonderful sound bites. And if you're like me and you're like, Jay Williams from Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max here on ESPN Des Moines. You got to believe that Adam Silver is going to come down hard on Ja. Adam will go out of his way to help players. 
just look at the history. Everything that's happened with Donald Sterling, look at the way he rallied around the league. Everything that's happened with Robert Sarver in the Phoenix Suns, he's rallied around the league. He's been player-centric, and he's also been known to be more lenient, way more than David Stern has ever been. So when I'm hearing Adam delay whatever the announcement is, not to bring further attention, understanding his history. Also, Adam is great at parsing his words. He's a lawyer, so he's so descriptive. When I hear a fair amount of additional information, I get even more concerned for John Morant. You got to think, the eight-game suspension, the 12-game suspension, and the promise that he made in that interview to Jalen Rose, and when he met with the media, I got to turn things around. We all bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Like idiots. <laughs> we all bought it. People don't change. People don't change unless something really, really dramatic happens. John Morant isn't going to be given a 20-game suspension. John Morant's not going to be given a 30-game suspension. I think, I thought minimum half year, 41 games. I think we're talking about an entire year now. I think listening to We've Uncovered a Fair Amount of Additional Information you have to think. Kira, you think longer? Two, I mean, a full year is going to cost John Morant $40 million. Do you want to know my tinfoil hat theory? I love a good tinfoil hat now theory. Now that we know he's a lawyer, um, I think he found something, like, beyond uncool. Really? Like... like More than brandishing weapons? Like, uh, what's it called? Mandatory reporter uncool. Mmm... That's my tinfoil hat. Okay. I think, All right. I think I think there might be jail time involved. I think if now because he was suspended for the two incidents, right? No, he's suspended for the one incident. Right. So if you are now a lawyer and you're trying to get the book thrown at somebody, like I said, he pulled a gun on a 17 year old kid during a pickup game because the kid talked crap to him. Real smart. Real mature. Then you had the Denver incident. Then you have this incident. Anything else in his past that has had 911 called and that got swept under the rug, that's going to be the whole thing. I think it's a full year, and he has to apply for reinstatement. And if he doesn't display good behavior for that full year, I think it could be an additional half year. I think they may set it to next Christmas, like a year from this Christmas, where he can apply for I I don't know. I think the book is coming down hard on John Morant, and it should. The dude is costing himself and his, the, the future generations of his family millions of dollars because he wants to act like a cosplay gangster, and I don't get it. I'll never understand it. You have the money and the wherewithal now to get out of that, and you still associate with that, and I realize that's what you've known for your life, and that's who had your back when you were running through AAU and high school, and college, and you got to the NBA, and you want to still, it's hard to get rid of that part of your life, but the smart ones do it, and don't go back to it. The smart ones get away from that gangster life. Get, they get away from the streets. I'm not saying you have to go live in a four-bedroom house in West Des Moines and be my neighbor, but you have to figure out a way to get out of that mentality, out of that lifestyle. Do you want to hear about Chuck E. Cheese? You want to hear about Chuck E. Cheese? Happy birthday to my nieces, Lucy and Lexi. Both have their birthday. They're seven and five, eight and five, uh, and they're a day apart. They're a day apart. So we had the birthday party at West Des Moines, uh, Chuck E. Cheese over there on 22nd. Is that West Des Moines still? I don't know. But it's on 22nd. 
And uh, it was her friend's party. So all of her school kids were there. All the, the kids and classmates were there. 24 of them running around Chuck E. Cheese. But they're like seven and six and five, so they can handle themselves. My kids are four, three, and three. If you did not know, I had three. We had three kids in the same, in less than a year, in 50 weeks. All right? So we took the kids, and we had the unlimited play card, which is brilliant. <laughs> so much better than quarters and tokens and singles, however much that cost. It is a genius idea because my kids spent an average of six seconds playing every game. Because <laughs> they would play a game get bored, go on to the next one. So half the time, I'm sitting there still playing the water cannon game <laughs> or still throwing the footballs or whatever, and my son or my daughters have moved on to whatever other game possible. But I got to say, they did really well. Aww. The kids did actually really well. I did. We did get done and got home, and I looked at my wife. Cause as soon as we got home, we, we fed them a little more food because they didn't have time to eat. You know, they're, they, they don't. When you're three or four and Chuck E. Cheese is there, you can play every game. My kids aren't motivated by food. They're weird. You didn't give them the cardboard pizza that they definitely reconstruct out of the leftover pizza that people don't eat? I ate that pizza and Dippin' Dots. It was great. But then they went right to bed. I came downstairs. I was exhausted. I was like, honey, were we just drunk? We didn't drink at, at Chuck E. Cheese. You can. You can have two drinks total. They scan your ID. Yeah, you can. You can have two drinks total over two hours or a total visit. I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> Kira, you have to bring a kid with you. <laughs> uh, I was like, honey, are we drunk? Because my head is still spinning. Because with three of them, like one goes one way. You have to keep the other two like you're playing zone defense. You have to figure out where everybody's going. But happy birthday to uh, Lucy and Lexi. And thank you for letting our kids come to your birthday party with all your classmates. That is it. We are out of here. Thank you, Kira, for keeping us on the air. Thanks to you for listening and watching. My name is Mike Wickett. This has been Wickett's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines.